Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawksfield at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. When I look back on these situations, it's like, can you remove the antics? I'm very confident I can remove the antics. And I'm very confident if I do remove the antics, no one's worried about how I play the game of basketball. You know, nobody's worried about how I carry myself in the game of basketball, but it's the antics. Wrapping up the show here on a Wednesday on Hurt At Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube streams as well. Joining us now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline is Dan Favalli from the Bleacher Report. Dan, how are you this morning? Hey, Dan, Dan can you, you there? Uh, I'm doing well. There he is. Good. All right. <laughs> we are doing well. You know, we, <laughs> we'll we start off with Draymond here, Dan, because our producer just played a cut of him talking about how he's confident he can cut out the antics. Um, it's been like 15 years of this. How confident are you that Draymond can cut out the antics? Uh, I don't think we can default to confidence. I think it's a very much a situation of we'll just believe it when we see it. Can he go the rest of the season without having an on-court incident that ends up costing his team um, just valuable winning and competitive equity if he gets suspended or again or thrown out of a game or does something in a game that changes the tenor of it. It's as you said, it's been a, almost a decade and a half of this. I do hope everything is all right in his personal life, but you can't. You know, he said things along these lines before. Um, and so I think it's, like I said, it's just a very much we'll believe it when we see it situation. Dan, as um, you know, the Grizzlies were just starting to get some legs underneath them. They got them swiped away with the loss of John ja Morant. And it's not a team that uh, finished second in the West without John ja Morant on this team. Um, instead of what could have been a get-to-the-play-in game hope, Memphis has to sleep well still knowing they'll end up with a lottery pick, right? Yeah, I mean, they're certainly not going to catch the Spurs, the Wizards, that group, the Pistons, of course, but they were pretty bad without John Morant. They had the worst offense in the league before he came back, and so they're a team that, you know, maybe they don't end up with as bad a record of, as the Charlotte Hornets or maybe even the Blazers, but they could have top six, top seven lottery odds, and, you know, maybe they get lucky and they still do have some assets, and so... I saw some people calling this a blessing in disguise. I would totally disagree with that, but you are going to have the ability to recalibrate and put um, a much better product on the floor at full strength next season. I think the real big question for them, um, though, is uh, can you figure out what's going on with Marcus Smart? He got injured again in their game mm-hmm. last night. You don't. He hasn't been great this year, and so do you look at moving him for other assets given what you got up to get him? We're talking with Dan Favalli of the Bleacher Report. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the bottom-tier teams in 
the league, the Hornets, you know, the Wizards are down there, obviously the Pistons, which the Pistons maybe seem like the most hopeless of the entire group. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there. But it, it's pretty obvious that the Spurs have the most hope, right, just because of Wemby, or, or do you have more concerns about them than some of these other teams? No, I don't have more concerns about the Spurs. I would like to see them, and they've gotten better at it um, in a little bit, in part because of injuries, just in part it does seem like they're going to rely on some of the, the Trey Jones, Wemby minutes a little bit more. Um, but they need to get kind of another offensive organizer in there because while I appreciate experimentation with Jeremy Sohan running point or just giving Wemby a lot of touches from the perimeter, it's clear that he's best optimized if you can get him going to the basket and maybe getting him the basket, of, excuse me, the ball closer to the basket. And right now they don't have a ton of guys that can do that. And so that's going to be the challenge for them, not just looking ahead to future drafts and free agency, but maybe even at the trade deadline. You're not interested in winning games as much as other teams right now, clearly while you're developing, but you do want to optimize and streamline the development of the single most important player in your building and of the next, you know, 10, 15, 18, 20 years, hopefully. And so I'm very interested to see how they they go about that. Dan, Eric Spolstra got paid last night, uh, eight-year deal, $120-plus million um, uh, added to for a contract extension. And my question to you is this, because we know that uh, the Heat have made it to the big game. They just haven't been able to kind of take that next step when they're there, at least recently. But Spo is, I mean, he's just an incredible coach in my eyes. And I I guess my question to you is, we see so much turnover at that point at that um, spot on in, in with NBA teams, I guess. And what's made Spo different over the years to be able to kind of control his own destiny, even when we see some coaches that win NBA titles get fired two, three years later? I think the two things that stand out the most are he is, has to be maybe the most adaptable coach in the NBA. When you look at the iteration of teams, that he's coached, whereas I think this is cropping up a lot right now at Steve Kerr and Golden State, is that he was never necessarily a player development guy. And so that's why he struggled handling with, with the youngsters and communicating with some of the youngsters there. Um, so also we've seen him take teams post-Big 3 um, to, to heights that you already mentioned that really belie the talent on their roster, but he's also coached a bunch of stars. Um, I do think it helps that he's had the pretty strong backing of the front office, even even dating back to when you know members of the Big Three didn't necessarily want him there during that era. And then finally, you hear um, from these players that there's never any quibbling over what their role is, that he always makes everyone understand where their place is in the pecking order. And I think that communication might even be bigger than any of the adjustments and the, the strategies that he employs on the court, which the latter of which they're so complex and effective that they can go over your head and so that's a huge part so I think he should probably be the highest paid coach by a sizable margin and in net he now is but per year I think he's now second behind pop but this is just definitely a harbinger of how valuable and critical he is to that organization we're talking with Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report you mentioned the heat and sometimes they overachieve their talent a team with plenty of talent is the Oklahoma City Thunder who Uh, I don't know if people are surprised by the leap they've taken this year, but they've certainly put uh, the rest of the league on notice. How do you think Oklahoma City should handle this balance of continuing to develop 
uh, obviously their very young core, but also maybe trading in some of their trade assets to try and become a contender right now. Because we've seen a lot of these young teams think, oh, we've got a really long championship window, and lately it almost never plays out that way. Do you think Oklahoma City has to start thinking about being a legitimate contender as soon as now? I absolutely think that they do because you can look at the core and say, well, I mean, look, we have J-Dub and we have Chad Homer, we have Chad Gilchrist Alexander, we have the ability to be good for a really long time. We've seen these windows before just open and close very quickly. And even mm-hmm. in OKC, when you look at them making that finals run together in 2012, and then that's it with that core of Ibaka, Harden, Westbrook, and Kevin Durant. Um, I think the balance is when you look at this year specifically, making really big additions is just hard in the middle of the year. So I think you look more so at fine-tuning the roster. Can you get more defensive rebounding? Can you get a higher volume shooter in the in the half court that maybe cracks the top seven or eight in your rotation and could appear in the postseason? And then you really have to look inward over the offseason when you're going to start dealing with the Josh Giddy extension. Um, you have some of these other guys that you're not really using in, in Poku um, and Trey Mann who are coming up um, on – on free agency, and that's when you look at making the bigger move based off what happens in the postseason. It's not about being brash or trying to accelerate. It's really about just understanding that tidal windows, no matter how long it appears like they're going to be open, they're like two to three, maybe four years at this rate. I think you need to maximize your time at the top of the, the pecking order of the league, and the Thunder are closer to that than not right now. And so I think that question is going to be more of an off-season question, but it's one that they absolutely do need to ask and answer heading into this summer. Dan, got a couple minutes left here with you. You mentioned the championship windows and how short they can be now. It really seemed like instead of maximizing their championship window with Steph Curry, Golden State went all in on trying to make a longer championship window with a young core of Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and James Wiseman. Half of those guys are already gone. Kaminga is unhappy there in Golden State. Is there a way for them to pivot still at this point to maybe go out and make a trade to become relevant in again in this championship conversation? Or, as I think, have they pretty much just botched the end of the Curry late prime and this championship window? Yeah, I think it's more so the latter, where it feels like they've bought the end of the late championship window and that even the more we look back on that 2022 title run, um, you don't want to say it was fluky or lucky, but it was kind of lightning in a bottle. Uh, and I look at the trade market. The Warriors have the assets. They have some of their young players. They, they have some picks. They have some salary matching tools. But there's just no guy that you look at and say, well, he elevates them to here. That's on the market, whether it's Pascal Siakam, whether it's DeJounte Murray, even trying to think about players who could maybe appear on the trade market that aren't being talked about, whether it's Larry Markin in Utah or Mikhail Bridges from Brooklyn. And that's assuming they could even have the best offer. Yeah. It's not even just a matter of how they mishandled it. Well, now they're getting to a point where they have to figure out how to handle some of the vets where Clay Thompson isn't playing as well, or Andrew Wiggins is imploding, or even once Draymond Green comes back, what if he, you know, he's made threes and played pretty well defensively this year when he's on the court, um, but what if he slips? And so now they're just juggling all these different balls in the air, and I don't know how they catch them. And it's not, I don't think it's a matter of one player or one move. It probably has to be a, a series of them. And at best, they might be able to you know, address, make some consolidation moves over the offseason, but again, based off the trade market right now, I'd be shocked if there's anyone they could acquire who changes their trajectory. 
That's Dan Favalli from Bleacher Report. Dan, we appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Most definitely. Thank you guys for having me. Take care. Thanks, Dan. That's Dan Favalli from the Bleacher Report. That is all we have for you here on a Wednesday on Herd Out Sports Radio. Andrew and I will be back tomorrow. And hopefully maybe we're talking about another uh, Husker commitment out of the transfer portal. Who knows? Wouldn't hate it. We will see here on Herd Out Sports Radio.